you would turn to Luke chapter 3, hold a finger there, put another one in Genesis chapter 3. Over the last few weeks, Drew and and I kind of together have been sharing about overcoming despair and the need to walk in victory over that. And we talked about the, the, the need to get our tongues moving and proclaim the word of the Lord and how a heavy spirit is only replaced by a, a garment of, of praise. We talked about Israel's transition from slavery thinking into sonship thinking. And if you haven't had a chance yet, I encourage you to go back, I think three weeks ago, and Drew preached on the Dead Sea and how we, we have these fountains of living water that must flow through us. Well, I was thinking about this and, and considering, and I, and I did not end up preaching this word last week, we had a little bit of a change of plans, but the, the end result of this is just not overcoming despair, but it's learning to abide in our sonship that the Lord has given us. And only in this abiding place do we live the normal, fruitful, abundant Christian life that we were called to live. And I want to go back to, to the beginning on this for a moment and then share a, a couple of dreams at the end that the Lord ha, has given us. So in Luke chapter 3, in Luke, Luke 3.38, the son of Enosh, Kenan the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So we have these beautiful little couple of verses here showing the first Adam and the second Adam. The first Adam, as we know, was born into sonship. And the second Adam, our glorious Savior, was born into sonship as the second Adam as the most glorious Adam, as the one who took the torch and and took the baton, as it were, and finished the task that Adam was originally called to complete. Son one and son two. So sonship began in the garden, literally Genesis. So go back with me, if you would, to Genesis 3. At the beginning, think about it with me, if you would, Priorities were in place as they should be. Priorities, first and foremost, was a deep, personal, intimate friendship and relationship with God the Father as a son. And secondarily was his approval of the work of his hands and the blessing over all that Adam was called to do. Adam, made in the image of his father, blessed by God to rule, yes, and reign. He worked with and he worked like his father in the garden. God formed all of the animals. And then what does it say? And God brought the animals to his co-laborer, Adam, to see what he would name the animals. It's an amazing verse. 
God's like almost giddy with excitement. You get the impression like, I can't wait to see what my son names these animals that I made. Look, if you would, with me at the father-son relationship in the work. It's beautiful. And Adam is called here into this intimate, personal place. And then God invented and created a helpmate for Adam and invented intimacy physically for him to enjoy. I mean, the partnership is just incredible, that the love between a father and a son. And so Adam was born and grew up under the umbrella of sonship. First and foremost, relationship with his father. Secondarily, the work and the approval of the work. Well, we all know what happened. The fall. And everything got turned upside down. And so now, Adam came out from underneath the umbrella of sonship to the umbrella of slavery and the law. And so now, his priorities are secondarily relationship with his father and first-endarily the approval or the lack of approval. And so primarily the reason he hid in the garden was because he said, I was afraid. I hid because I was afraid of you as a, as a, as a taskmaster, as a harsh father. Remember, they used to walk in the cool of the garden. He hears his voice and he hides from his father because he was afraid. Because the Lord no longer approved of the work of my hands. Therefore, my relationship is in jeopardy. Yeah, does that make sense? Primarily the relationship in the garden. First, secondarily the work. After the fall, primarily how I'm acting and behaving as it affects my sonship. The umbrella of sonship versus the umbrella of law and slavery. So now we get to Genesis chapter 4. God looks on fav- in favor on Abel's offering, but on Cain's offering, he disregards it. And Cain is hacked off about this. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? And why is your face downcast? Listen, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Because now God is interacting with these people through the lens of the law that says, based on how you act determines the blessing that you will receive or the curse. Because man chose that. And so now there's this lens that forever separates. And now we're, we're making atonement and we're making sacrifice so that God is pleased with us. And we're making bricks in Egypt and we're making bricks so we don't get whipped, right? And as I said a couple of weeks ago, then comes our deliverer. It says, come on out. Come into sonship and come worship the Lord in the desert. And because things get difficult when we leave our abusive relationship, we go back to our abuser and say, why are you treating this way? And I said, seven times is what it takes on average for an abused woman to leave an abusive relationship. Seven times. Because we find solace and comfort in some strange, weird way in Adam. 
And the Lord is calling us out into sonship. Because listen, the second Adam, our beautiful Jesus, go with me to Galatians chapter 4. This is what he did for us. Galatians chapter 4. He was born under the umbrella of the law. He came up underneath that umbrella. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And it's the spirit who calls out Abba, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Jesus has restored intimacy with the Father, adoption to sonship, so that the first place might be the first place again. We are now moved from our position as sons and no longer moved by our performance as slaves. The cart is now not in front of the horse. First things first, position, sonship. Secondarily, what I do flows from that. Well, he writes here that the spirit cries, Kradzo. It's a groan. Abba, Father. Kradzo. Daddy, God. Five to ten years later, take a left. Romans writing, Paul's writing Romans chapter 8. Five to ten years later, after he says the spirit Kradzos from within us. He says in verse 15, verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we, Kradzo, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might share in his glory. Yes, the Spirit cries, Abba, Father. And then our response is to, with that cry, we ourselves say, Yes, Abba, Father, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm no longer a slave. I no longer relate to you based on my actions and behavior. I relate to you based on my position that was purchased for me by the blood of Christ. And ironically, as I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind, my actions start to just line up. Like little kids in kindergarten in a single file line. Get in line. Stand in a straight line. We do not do that anymore. Why would we go back to that? I've been purchased. I'm a son. I think like a son. I act like a son. 
Hebrews 2 does not say he's bringing many employees to glory. He is bringing many sons to glory. We have the firstborn from among the dead, Jesus, who showed us that the yoke is easy in sonship. The burden is light in sonship. Jesus, what's the plan? I don't know. The Father knows. I only do what he's doing. Let's go up to the feast. If you want to be popular, go to the feast, his brother said. He's like, for you, any time is right. For me, my time is what the Father's doing. I'll stay here. Well, 10 minutes later, he goes to the feast. (laughs) See, we get so bound up in the plan. Guess what the plan was for today? You know? The Lord himself is the plan. The Lord himself, his very presence is the plan for your life. Do not get bound up in the future, church. Now and only now is when his grace is poured out. It is not poured out 10 minutes ago. It is not poured out 10 minutes from now. It's right now. We stay in the eternal now in the Holy Spirit. Sons, stay in step. Stay in step with the Spirit and you will walk as children of God. Children of God change nations. Drew, if you would come up here, please. Everyone is called by his name. Everyone is created for his glory. Called and created. Now listen, Jeremiah 31 says that when the Lord brings his sons and daughters back, guess what their posture is as they come back? They come back with weeping. Guess what they're doing when they come back? as they're weeping, they will pray as I bring them back. See, because in this last hour, the heart of the father is being turned to the sons and the heart of the sons is being turned back to the father. And so sonship is being restored in his church. And I want to tell you, the only way for you and for me to walk in the fullness and the identity and the destiny the Lord has put in us, the good works, is to walk in sonship. Because everything else in slavery holds it back. But walking in freedom and sonship releases all that's inside of you and all that's inside of me. All creation is groaning for the glorious freedom of the sons of God. It's waiting in anticipation. It's leaning forward for the sons of God to be revealed. And so the Lord says, go all in. Jump in. So there's two dreams that Drew um, and I had kind of simultaneously. And we're going to finish with this. Okay. So I had a dream. This was um, Thursday, I think, or so, something like that. Uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night. And in, this, in my dream, I was in a, in, in a there, was, there was an upstairs room. Okay, and in this room there was like it was like a big youth group rec room type of thing. There's like pool tables and foosball tables and couches and TVs and like a little kitchen area, and it's filled with people who are my friends and my family. And then right outside of this room is a stairway that goes down. It's an upstairs room, 
and a little hallway. And I'm in this hallway, and there's these two men on the stairs wearing like 1990s purple windbreaker suits, you know? And I'm talking to them, and they're trying to convince me to come back with them uh, to a place that I used to live in, Texas. They're, they're trying to convince me to come with them, and they're being kind, but they're also being really firm. And there's like a hint of disappointment in their voice. And as we're talking, uh, I have a memory in my dream of the exact same thing. This has happened before a couple of times. And, I, and, and my memory, I go with them. And we get in a car. And as we're driving back to this place, they're telling me how disappointed they are that I keep leaving. And they have to keep coming back and getting me. And their disappointment quickly turns to anger and rage and they actually pull over to the side of the road, they pull me out of the car and they just beat the tar out of me. Like in I'm, my memory, I'm watching myself being kicked and stomped by these two guys and they get in the car and they drive away and leave me on the road. And my face is like swollen and purple and bruised. And then along in this little pickup truck comes my dad my earthly dad, and he scoops me up in his arms like this, and he walks all the way back to that upstairs room, and he puts me on the couch, and he gently rebukes me and says, why, why do you keep leaving this place? This is where you belong. This is where there's rest, and this is where there's food, and this is where your family is, and you belong here. And what that place in my life that they were trying to take me to, what that symbolizes is a place of earning the Father's affection, right? That was my time in Texas. That's all that that was about, was earning the Father's affection. Look what I'm doing and doing well, so now do you approve of me? Now you can be proud of me because of what I've done. And that always ends in pain and suffering and misery. That never ends well. Never. But our Heavenly Father in His kindness comes and picks us up from that place and takes us back, back to this place of rest and says, look, just sit here and get better. You don't have to do anything. There's a, a... kitchen full of food and your family's here and there's games and I've already done the work yes there's nothing left for you to do to earn my affection there's nothing you can do so well that I'm gonna look at you and say I'm even more proud of you now (laughs) it can't be done nothing you do is going to give you higher esteem in the father's eyes than what his son has already done come on it's over and finished. And the, the, the cry of his heart, and this was what was so striking to me as he was laying me on this couch. Not disappointment, right? Like, like these other two men. Not disappointment, like, oh, you keep leaving. But it breaks my heart yeah. that you would go back to a place and suffer torment and pain to try to earn something I've already given you. Yeah. Stay here. Come on. 
Rest with me. The work is done. So what were you doing on Friday when Kyle called you as you're processing this? So, yeah, that was funny. So I woke up and I was kind of like, that was weird. I don't know what that was about. But I knew it was significant, right? Sometimes I have dreams that I'm like, that was, what, are we, what, what do you call them? Pizza dream. Okay, apparently more people than Amy Palzer says that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, but I was like, this, there was something here. And Kyle was working that day. I think, and um, I, I, it was two or three in the afternoon, something like that, and I, did, I wanted to write it down. I remembered it really well, but I just wanted to get it, get it written down. And as I'm writing this down, the Lord is just revealing all of these things to me. Like, oh, this is what Texas is. Oh, this is my father. Oh, this is what this room is. And suddenly... I just felt the weight of the Spirit. And I felt the approval of the Father. And I stopped writing and I went and sat on my bed. And I just started praying and just confessing to the Lord. Like, who are you? Who does this? Who comes and gets the people and brings them back when they continually and willfully leave his side. Who are you? And then it just got so heavy, I just got on the floor and I just started crying. And I couldn't even put a thought together. Like, I just just wanted to tell him, like, you're so good, but that's not enough. Like, that's not nearly enough to express what I'm feeling. And then my phone rings. (laughs) And it's my wife on her way home from work. And I was a little embarrassed. And so I wasn't like, uh, I'm crying, you know. And she's, she's in her car. She's in the car. And sometimes she has uh, employees with her. And, you know, the phone attaches to the radio. So I'm, like, trying to be really careful. I'm like, oh, hey, babe, what's up? <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? I'm just like, doing oh, push-ups here. Just, uh, <laughs> I think I told I think I said I was, no, I didn't. Say I was praying. I was like, oh yeah, no, everything she said, how's everything? Everything's fine. Like, Why do you sound weird? <laughs> I was like, ah, I was praying. She's like, okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. How's your day going? <laughs> and then it wasn't until she got home that I was like, okay, this I was I was crying. But it, I just want to encourage you guys, there's nothing for you outside of the presence of God. There's nothing there. Amen. Just pain and getting kicked a lot by people in windbreakers <laughs> don't do it so so i'll finish with this so that same day during and i compared notes after the fact but that same day was on that was on friday i had a 6 30 meeting to get to for some reason i thought it was 6 15 when it was 5 15 lizzie comes out why are you up an hour early so we sit down and we start talking for an hour and That same day Drew had that, I'm sitting there with my wife, and I start relaying to her a dream that I had had. And in this dream, I am standing with my dad, my earthly dad, on the steps of the apartment building where we live, and he was walking down very slowly. He was an older man. I was kind of watching him as he kind of limped down these steps. And then he and I got out on the street and began walking together side by side. And my dad slipped his hand around my waist 
and he held me like this and I put my arm over his shoulder like this and we walked extremely closely. Now it's not normal for my dad and I to do something like this. And in the dream, we're walking along at a little bit of a slow pace and my dad leans over into my ear and he says, you are a spirit-filled man and I'm so proud of how far you've come and I love you so deeply. And in the dream, something started like way down deep in a well and it made its way up and through my heart and out of my mouth and all that came out was this long groan. And it was a little bit of an awkward sound, but it was a guttural, deep groan. And I said that when I released that groan from my lips, I felt completely whole and completely healed. And my dad, in the dream, looks at me and smiles, and he says, I was not expecting that noise. (laughs) And I said, neither was I, and then I just burst into laughter. And so as I'm telling my wife this dream, I start weeping Friday morning. And I said, I really had a great dad. Had an amazing dad. But for some reason, why is it so hard to believe that I'm completely and deeply loved as a son? And the Lord is healing my heart. And all of us have different dad stories in here. But I tell you, the Lord is after this in this season for all of us. He's restoring sonship that we might walk in freedom and liberty. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. So Lord, we thank you for this good day. Yes, how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It's like oil. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the oil you poured out here. Now I pray that we would go from this place encouraged and strengthened on the offense. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, that you would bring your kingdom through us, in us, Lord, in our midst, God. I'm asking for sonship to be revealed at deep levels for every single person in this room. Bless us this week, Lord, and bring us back together again safely. In the name of Jesus, amen.